Good evening. Uh, just wanted to thank you for the opportunity that I could come up here and speak to you tonight. It's a, it's a pleasure. Uh, first thing I wanted to talk about was the impact that Mount Juliet Church of Christ has had on me growing up here. And there's a few people that came to mind when I thought of people that from here that were great examples to me. First person I thought of was Phil Wagner. Phil Wagner was my youth minister as I was growing up, the, the younger parts, and uh, he, when, he's, when, he, when he pops in my head, it sticks out that Phil likes to sing. If you, if you sit anywhere around him, you know he likes to sing. And I guess that rubbed off on me in that, you know, it doesn't matter if you, you know, you're, you're an all-star singer or whatever, but you need to sing to God and praise God, and it's not about, you know, it's not about you, it's about glorifying God. And then... Think about Philip, Philip Jenkins, the new youth minister. You know, he came a little bit later in my, my youth group years, but uh, he got here and you could tell his first goal, you know, his goal as youth minister was to be evangelistic and for our youth group to be open to all sorts of new people to come in and be a part of the church and learn about God and worship God. And, you know, it sticks with me that, like Acts 15, 4, where it says the people were, we were received by the church. You know, he's a, pe- he's a person that he wants everyone to be received by the church and to bring them in. You know, then I thought about Doug Perry. If you've ever been around Doug Perry, he's a hard worker. That man does not stop. You, you think he might need to, and he won't, he won't. Well, I remember at camp one year, he, did, he decided not to show up. Well, me and Ray Burchett, we were like, well, man, he does, he does a lot of hard work every time he's here. And we were like, somebody's going to have to pick up all that slack. And uh, I guess for some reason, you know, as like an eighth grade boy, we decided, hey, let's go volunteer to take trash out every night. You know, I don't know what, I was, what we were thinking, but I guess we, thought, we just got so used to seeing him do all that hard work. And we knew that somebody had to make up for what, what he wasn't going to be able to do. And I think about the Dukes. Randy Duke, our new, our, one of our new elders, and the Duke family with Miss Jody and Chet and Hannah, you know, I look at them and I see a family of people that love God. You, you, can, you can go to, their, to them anytime and their doors are open and they're going to welcome you into their house. And they're going to, you know, the high school, they held high school Bible studies every Tuesday night for the past three or four years. And they're just willing to open up the doors and anytime you want to be there, they'll study with you and they'll open the Bible and teach you, teach you the word. Then I think about David Shannon, the man that's, he's normally up here, you know, he's up here and he, his goal is, it's not to preach his opinion, it's to preach what the Bible says and what, what God has to say about it. Not, not his thoughts on the matter, but, you know, he wants to tell the truth and represent what God has to say. And then I think about the church as a whole. Here, when I look at this church, I see a group of people that, they like to give the glory to God. You know, we do a lot of things, but... We don't, we're not sitting around saying, ha, look at how good we are. You know, we do this, we do that. It's about how God is and how he works through us. And he's able to do things for the community and for the people and bring people closer to him. And I guess that's one that's really stuck with me. You may not all know, but I play football. I played football for Mount Juliet High School. And I started as an offensive lineman my sophomore year and sophomore, junior, senior year. And I guess come this senior year, I realized that Everything I was doing, it, it didn't matter one bit if I wasn't giving God the glory. Yeah, I was, you know, I mean, I might be doing all those things and, you know, people tell me I'm good and whatnot, but it doesn't matter if I'm not telling them how God was the one that let me do all that I was doing. And that's, that's really stuck with me. Like it says in Ephesians 3.21, to him be the glory in the church. And that, that's one 
one of the many things from here that has stuck with me. And I think about this church and how it's prepared me for the future. As growing up, you know, I have this this church, this church home that it's easy to come here and it's easy to learn about God. And, you know, in my future, I'll be going to Cookville and I'll have to find a new church to attend regularly. But I know what I've learned from here is that I know what to look for in a church that I will be serving God the right way. And I think that, you know, you just prepared me for the future very well. And then if you want to turn to Proverbs sixteen nine. It says, the mind of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And then you can skip over to Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and it says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. You know, God, God he offers us, that if you, you know, you can, you can have a, a way picked out for yourself, and you know, you might think you know where you're going, but it's about giving it up and letting God take you where he, he wants you to go and he needs you to go. And when I thought about the future and you know, what plans God has, two cities of the Bible came to mind. The first one being Sodom and Gomorrah. If you want to turn to Genesis 19, I'll give you a little background of the story. God comes to Abraham and he tells him that he's going to destroy Sodom. But Abraham's brother, Lot, lives there and he wants to plead with God that they don't destroy the city. And he's like, why would you kill the good people and the bad people? You know, why wouldn't you fairly decide, you know, who should be killed? Well, Abraham pleads with him. He's like, what if there's 50 good men in these cities? Would you, would you save these cities? And he's like, God says yes. And he's like, what about 45? Yes. 40? Yes. 30? Yes. 20? Yes. And even if there was just 10 good men in these cities, God would save them. And then God sends the, his angels to, to Sodom, and he goes, they go to Lot, and they find that there aren't even ten good men in these cities to save them. And so they, the angels take, take Lot and his wife and his two daughters out of the city, and God destroys the cities. Like it says in Proverbs twenty four twenty, For there will be no future for the evil man. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. They were wicked. They were a city that was against God. They didn't, they didn't worship Him. They didn't glorify Him. They were all about themselves, and they were destroyed. But on the other hand, let's look at Nineveh, the city of Nineveh in Jonah. This place was as well, it was a wicked city, and they were doing thing, the wrong thing, and God calls upon Noah to go and tell the people that they need to, be, to change their ways. But Jonah doesn't want to do it. He runs away from God. He gets swallowed by a big fish for three days, and then he eventually gets spit out and decides, okay, I can't run away from God. I'll go do it. And we can read in Jonah chapter 3, starting in verse 4. Then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk, and he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on the ashes. He issued a proclamation, and it said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water. But both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth, and let men call on God earnestly, that each may turn away from his wicked way, from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger, so that we will not perish." 
when God saw their deeds, that they returned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. You, know, you look at this city, this wicked city that's, that is not glorifying God. Jonah just walks through, comes and walks through this city and yells, We're gonna, your city is going to be destroyed. They, don't, they decide, we don't want to be destroyed. Then they repent. They turn to God. They, every single one of them, from the king to the least of them, from every single animal, they put sackcloth on and they repent of their sins because they don't want to be destroyed. And God's future for them wasn't destruction. He decided that they weren't going to get destroyed and they, that they were going to have glory and that they weren't going to do that. So my point is, where is your future? Is your future, is it like Sodom and Gomorrah? Is it destruction? Or is it like Nineveh? Are you going to repent and are you going to come back to the glory of God? Is, is your future going to be hell or is your future going to be heaven? You know, and I, I think when I read that story of Nineveh, it makes me think how awesome it is. The fact that we have the ability to be forgiven like Nineveh was. You know, we don't have to be Sodom and Gomorrah. We don't have to just do nothing and you know, go the, down the wrong path of destruction. We can repent and come back to God and be forgiven. Like the story of Paul, if you want to turn to Acts. Acts 9. If you read a chapter before, you'll see that Paul, Paul is persecuting the Christians. He's a great persecutor. He wants to take all the Christians. He wants to take them and throw them in prison. He doesn't, he doesn't want Christians to be around at all. But what does he do? One day he's walking down a road and God comes to him. And him and God talk. And you can pick up in verse 17 where it says... So Ananias departed and entered the house. After laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight and got up and was baptized. And he took food and was strengthened. Now for several days he was with the disciples who were at Damascus. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And you look at this man... This man is he's going down the wrong path. He's going down the path of destruction. He's going down like Sodom and Gomorrah, going the wrong way. But then one day, he just, when God comes to him, he decides that he doesn't want to do that anymore. He wants to repent. He wants to come back to God. And you see, you can read in verse 18 where it says, Immediately he got up and was baptized. Like it says in Acts 2.38, Peter said to them, Repent, each of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He was baptized for the forgiveness of his sins. He had been sinning, but he knew that God offered him that forgiveness to come back to him and be forgiven. And why? Why did this happen? Because Paul had a future. Paul had a future with God. If you look at what Paul goes on to do, he goes on to take three missionary journeys out. He takes a trip to Rome to evangelize. You know, he writes 13 or 14 books of the Bible. I mean, the man had a future with God, and he, was, he became one of the greatest leaders in the church after from one of the worst. Why? Because he was able to be forgiven of his sins. You know, Jesus offers us that forgiven, forgiveness. And you know, if you haven't been forgiven, Jesus offers us that baptism that we can be forgiven of our sins and that we can come back to him and we can come be with him again. And if you're not baptized, you can... You can be like 1 John 1, 9, where it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, you never know 
You want your future to be going towards God so that you don't know who you're going to affect. Look at Paul. He goes on to affect Timothy and he encourages Timothy to become stronger in the church. And then you look at the books of the Bible he wrote that we read from and encourage ourselves with. You know, your future could affect more people than you know, more than just yourself. So you, should, you need to come to God. And if you haven't been baptized, then come and get that forgiveness. Come and get that, that forgiveness and be washed new and be cleansed of your sins. And if you have been baptized, then you, know, you can come again and confess your sins and ask for forgiveness. And I don't, whatever you need, come as we stand.